Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. I must preach the kingdom of God because for this purpose I have been called. And so must you. You must preach the kingdom of God. You must preach the Word of God because for that purpose you have been saved and called. This is our calling. This is our priority, folks. This is our priority. Everything else is secondary. Look on. Verse 1 of chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake in Esseret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What a moment this must have been. You know, I thought of this passage a couple of years ago as we were standing at the Sea of Galilee in Israel and got out on one of those boats and they were showing us how they would fish with the nets and they were throwing them off the side. And, well, they didn't have Jesus on the boat at the moment because their nets were empty. <laughs> but I thought to myself, man, can you imagine when they threw their nets off, as this passage tells us, expecting it to produce nothing, and yet they pulled it back in, and it was overflowing like this. What a moment this must have been. Here is Jesus in Simon Peter's fishing boat, and after teaching the crowds from the boat, because he climbs into it and he tells Peter to set out, he wants to use that, he parks it close to the shore, the people have gathered, Jesus proclaims the good news of the gospel for the purpose of which he came. And then he has Simon launch out just a little bit further on the water, and he tells him to drop his nets for a catch of fish. Now, this makes no sense to Simon Peter, because it's clear that they fished all night, right? Verse 2 tells us that they were washing their nets. It indicates that they were cleaning up after fishing through the night. It was common to fish at night. Fish bite better at night. They, they're, they're, they're more likely to be looking for their food at night. And so they are just finished fishing. They're cleaning the nets. And, and it's clear from the passage that the fish weren't biting when they were out there. And so what has to be going through Simon's mind now is what good would it do for them to try again in the daytime when the fish are even less likely to be out feeding? 
Logically, this command did not compute. It was the wrong time of day, the wrong place, and the wrong depth to catch fish. But to Peter's credit, he does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. Master, oh yeah, he offers up a little bit of confusion. Can't understand this. Doesn't make any sense. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus, what you're telling us makes no sense. We've tried. There's nothing here. And what you're telling us to do in time of day, this is not going to work, Jesus. But look what he immediately says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter chooses to obey. He doesn't choose to hesitate. He chooses to obey. And look at the results of his simple step of obedience, of doing what the Lord asked, even though it didn't make much sense to him at the moment. Verse 6 tells us, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. That means they didn't catch a few fish. Man, they got a haul. So much so the nets were breaking. In fact, Luke tells us that there were so many fish in the net that Simon then had to call to his partners in the other boat. Jesus knew that was going to happen. That they were going to call to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And as they came out, the hall was even bigger, That so much so that the two boats began to sink. And as a result, Simon saw things that he never imagined possible. And it caused him to fall down in awe and conviction before the Lord and to humbly proclaim, this is a statement of humility, depart from me. Can you just picture this? Peter falling down, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. Peter's probably thinking in this moment of the fact that he was doubting. Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. He's, this moment is likely regretting those words. Why would I even say such a thing? Look at what you've just done. Do you know that this is the secret to experiencing tremendous things in the spiritual realm? This is the secret. Simple obedience to what the Lord asks of you. <laughs> that's it. You know, some people say they got the keys to the secrets and they're all these formulas, spiritual formulas. I'm just telling you, this is it. Simple obedience to what the Lord has asked of you. At your word, Jesus. At your word, Jesus. In other words, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, regardless of how little sense it makes to me and to my way of thinking, at your word, I will let down the net you're commanding me to let down. Far too many Christians have allowed way too much to get in the way of, of living out this simple spiritual process of obedience. And as a result, they have missed out on a lot of incredible things that the Lord wanted to do and was able to do in their lives. Maybe this is you this morning. Maybe this is where you're at. Maybe you have faithfully followed Jesus, but you have held back on things that he's asked of you, not willing to turn your will over to his because the things he's asked of you simply have not computed in your mind. Oh, maybe you've been willing to do things that made sense to you, but dropping your nets when you've been fishing all night in a place where you know it's the wrong time of day, the wrong place, and the wrong depth that has produced nothing so far that, unlike Simon, you've not been willing to do that. 
you, instead of saying at your word, Jesus, have been saying, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do that. But I want to challenge you. Have you ever just stopped for a moment and thought about what your hesitation to obey has cost you spiritually? Now, I'm not talking spiritually in regard to your salvation, but have you ever stopped to simply consider what the Lord could not do for you because you were unwilling to step out in faith and obedience to his command, to the word of God that he's given you as you've read that verse, you've read that passage, and it's spoken, he's spoken to you from it and said, I want you to do this. But you wouldn't, all because it simply did not make sense to you. Remember, all but two of that initial generation of Israelites coming out of Egypt stopped short in obeying the Lord. All but two people stopped short in obeying the Lord because what he asked of them made no sense in light of the realities as they knew it. Let me read you that passage in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. Now they, speaking of the children of Israel, departed, and came back to Moses, and this is the, the scouts that they sent into the land, right? Previous verses told us that there, there were scouts that they were sending in into the promised land as they arrived after their plight from Egypt. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. I have this image of them holding up grapes the size of beach balls. I said bowling balls this morning as I taught this the first time and thinking about it. No, nope, beach balls, beach balls. Point being, it was abundant. It was overflowing with this stuff. And they're showing them. Can you imagine that? And you know what they said next? Let's go, folks. We're here. The Lord told us we'd possess the land. Let's take him at his word. Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, we're going in and take. No. Here's the nevertheless they said. Contrast that with the nevertheless of Peter here in our passage. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Doubt. Faithlessness. Disobedience. All they had to do was obey and it was theirs. But they wouldn't. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we're, we, were, we, we are well able to overcome it. God bless Caleb. He's one of two. Joshua is the other one. They knew what the Lord commanded. They were willing. Their nevertheless was, that may be true. They may be in the land. Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, we're going in. Let's go, folks. Let's go. It says in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come, come, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight, lodged 
logic, 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 human logic, human logic. Doesn't add up, doesn't make sense. I see the circum, doesn't work out. Can't be of the Lord. Verse 1, chapter 14 goes on, says, All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Boo-hoo. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to him, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, you're right, let's go. No. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Well, you know the rest of the account. They didn't go in. Look at what their simple lack of faith. Faith demonstrated by obedience. Faith is always demonstrated by obedience. Don't say you have great faith if you live a disobedient life. Don't say that you have faith when you will not obey a simple command of the Lord. These people chose not to obey the Lord, and they never got to enter and enjoy the abundant blessing of the promised land, as did those who later obeyed. As the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 3, 16 through 19, for who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, to whom he did not, and to whom he did swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief that was demonstrated through disobedience. You know, In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel told Saul the following. Samuel told Saul this. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. This is a truth that is about far more than just pleasing the Lord. Yeah, the Lord is most certainly pleased by our obedience. It is our greatest act of worship of him when we simply say, yes, Lord, at your word, I will do it. That was worship on Peter's part, whether he knew it or not. It's received as that by the Lord. In fact, Samuel goes on in that same passage to describe God's view of disobedience and how failure to obey goes against the very concept of our worship of him. 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, the first part of that verse says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Samuel tells Saul and us that the Lord equates disobedience to, to being like witchcraft, because at its very root, rebellion is nothing more than a willful choice to be led of another spirit. 
your spirit, the spirit of this world, the spirit of the age, the spirit of the moment, the spirit of other people, the spirit of things. Satan is the essence of disobedience. And, and in choosing to do the, 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 to disobey the Lord, you're choosing to do the work of the enemy in direct opposition to doing the will of God. Satan is the essence of disobedience or rebellion against God. He's at the heart of it. And when you choose to disobey God, you're giving yourself over to his influence. More than you're giving yourself over to the influence of the Lord. And furthermore, Samuel says that God equates disobedience or rebellion to idolatry because it's the very core of disobedience. What is the core of it? Self-worship. Self-worship. Self-idolatry, you see. Not worshiping God, worshiping, worshiping self. Because when you choose not to obey the Lord, what you're saying to God is, what you're asking of me makes no sense to me. There's nothing in it for me. I know what's best for me, so I will do what's best for me and not what you're asking of me. And for these reasons, God despises disobedience because at its very core, it involves the elevation of things that have nothing to do with the elevation of Him. It's the antithesis of our worship of him. And yet at the same time, it's, it's, it's displeasing to him because he knows what it costs us. It's displeasing him, not just because it, it denies the worship of us that, of him that's, that's rightly his, but also because he knows it costs us things. Three specific things. First of all, it costs us spiritually as it impedes our growth in faith. When we say no instead of yes, we miss seeing those bountiful halls of spiritual fish that simple obedience would have enabled us to see. A hall so large that it would sink our spiritual boat in a good way. And having missed seeing those things, we stay stuck where we are in our faith, never really being stretched, never really growing, just rowing back to the shore and going back to our daily routine of fishing as we've always engaged in it, a routine which has produced little to show in our lives. Obedience to God stretches us and it grows our faith, not just by the process, but by the eventual outcome that we see and experience at some point. You know, I'll just tell you honestly, the greatest moments of growth of my own faith in my own life, have been those times when I have stepped out and said, yes, Lord, to something that he asked of me that at the time made no sense to me. Honestly, this work here at Calvary Chapel, Cumberland Valley, is a great illustration of that. You know, it didn't make sense. Who am I? What am I? I'm a soldier. This is not what I should be doing. I can help in a church. This is not what... To start a Bible, to have it... But here we are 19 years later. I know it's a little different right now, but here we are still together. There's so many other things like this and, and the stretching of my faith through that. And, and know this, it's not always big steps of obedience that God uses to grow our faith. Sometimes it's simply the little things, the simple commands to drop a net. And if you'll just do that, you'll see things that you won't otherwise see that will stretch your faith. But failing to do it will impede your growth of faith. Secondly, God knows that if, if we disobey him, it costs us blessed reward as we never receive the things in our life that he wants to give us, the things he wants us to receive through faith-filled obedience. When we say no instead of yes, 
We miss being able to enjoy the blessing that comes from the catch of fish that God had waiting for us. And if only we dropped our nets when he told us to do that. Do you know that God not only wants to grow you, but he wants to bless you through your obedience? Yet dropping those nets and catching those fish did a lot for Simon's faith, no question about it. But don't forget, there were practical benefits in it all for him. There was food for the table. There was money to be earned. Lots of practical blessings came through that catch of fish that was only possible through his obedience to Jesus' command. Those who didn't waver in faith and went into the promised land the second time around not only grew in their faith that they got to see God make good on the promise that he had made to rid the land of the giants and to give them the land, but they also got to enjoy the blessing of the fruit and the streams flowing with milk and honey as a result of their obedience. Look, I am not at all suggesting that if you obey God that he's going to give you things. That, that is, you know, the, the, the faith and prosperity kind of nonsense. But I am telling you that as you step out in obedience and obey God, you will find yourself abundantly blessed by him because he wants to use your obedience to bring his blessings to your life. As Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 so clearly tells us, if, if, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Do you want to eat the good of the land? Do you want to experience what that is to eat the good of the land? Then start dropping your nets when Jesus tells you to do it, even if it makes no sense. And third and finally, it cost us getting to see the blessed amazement of others. The Lord knows that. He knows the impact that our obedience will have on other people. And he knows that our seeing the impact on other people, how it will bless us as well. Luke tells us that not only did Simon's obedience impact Simon, but through his simple step of obedience, of doing what the Lord had told him to do, others around him got to experience and be in awe of it all as well. As Luke tells us, and all who are with him, verse 9, and all who are with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. How would they have been astonished if Peter wouldn't have been willing to drop those nets? It would have delayed, hesitated, refused. Ah, oh, Lord, I don't think so. They wouldn't have. But he did. He obeyed. And they were astonished at the catch of fish. In verse 10, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They all, do you get this? They all got to see and experience this powerfully miraculous moment because of Simon's willingness to obey despite his human logic. Now, had Simon not obeyed, he might not have ever realized how it costs getting him to see the blessing, this blessing spilling over to the others, but would have cost him and, and them that blessing nonetheless. Even though he wouldn't have realized it because he never would have saw it, it still would have cost him and them that blessing as well. Look, obedience to the Lord's command has to do with more than just you and me. Our obedience impacts others. And getting to see that 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 that. that that blessing in, in the faces of others as they hear the testimonies, they see what the Lord does in your life out of obedience. Is, it's, it's a blessing beyond description. Don't rob yourself of that blessing. Don't rob yourself of that blessing by robbing others of that blessing. Obey the Lord. Drop your net when he tells you to. 
And so Simon does what Jesus tells him to do. He drops those nets, even though it made no sense to him. And as a result, he brought in an unanticipated haul of fish that both grew him in his faith in Jesus and blessed him and the others beyond measure. And so too, you and I will find that same outcome when we learn to simply say, Master, it doesn't make any sense to me, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Master, that command in your word doesn't make any sense to me, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I will obey. May those three words mark our lives continually. I will obey. And watch what the Lord does in your life and in the lives of others and in your relationship with him. Watch what the Lord does through that simple obedience that you give to him. May we be an obedient people. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.